This is the Robert J. Morgan Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Robert J. Morgan, and thank you for tuning in. Years ago, I wrote a book called The Red Sea Rules, based upon the story of the Israelites going through the Red Sea in Exodus chapter 14. And that book has gone all over the world, and total sales are about a million copies. It's been used for Bible study groups everywhere, and I'm so grateful for the response to it. A couple of years ago, we followed it up with a sequel, The Jordan River Rules, based upon the parting of the Jordan River, the story that is told in the first six chapters of the book of Joshua. Now, later this year, we are coming out with the last of this trilogy. It's called The Mediterranean Sea Rules, and this will be a book that I hope you'll watch for and look forward to and maybe use in your own Bible study groups and for gifts and for your own personal edification. It is based on the voyage and the shipwreck of St. Paul the Apostle. In today's broadcast, we're taking you to the platform of World Outreach Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, where I gave this message and went through the 10 Mediterranean Sea rules. I hope that you enjoy them, and thank you so much for listening. May God bless you with this material from the book of Acts, the last two chapters, 27 and 28, the Mediterranean Sea Rules. Well, good morning to all of you. I'm so happy, so privileged that you're here in this room and the other venues online, and I'm grateful to be here as well. I appreciate Pastor Allen inviting me today. Some years ago, I was coming back from overseas. I was very troubled about something, and on that flight, I opened my Bible and began reading where I left off the day before. I was in Exodus, and I came to chapter 14, and that chapter just unfolded in front of me, and I made so many notes about it, and later that became a sermon series and a book called The Red Sea Rules. It's been out for about 20 years now. And we followed it up with the Jordan River Rules because the Red Sea Rules has to do with the parting of the Red Sea, allowing the Israelites to escape Egypt. And the Jordan River Rule talks about the parting of the Jordan River to let the Israelites into the Promised Land. And now recently, I've been going through the book of the Acts of the Apostles, and so I'm speaking today about the Mediterranean Sea Rules, which is a book that will be out this coming fall later on. And it is based on the shipwreck of St. Paul the Apostle, which is told in the book of Acts chapter 27. So if you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to turn there with me to this very dramatic story. This is a story that is underappreciated. It isn't so often spoken about or referred to, and yet it is a vivid story of a tremendous hurricane that engulfed a ship on the Mediterranean and led to this dramatic adventure which Luke the historian recounts here in the book of Acts in chapter number 27 and also chapter number 28. So Paul was an apostle who was arrested in Jerusalem. He was then taken to Caesarea, which is the great city that the Romans built on the edge of Israel in order to headquarter their occupying troops. And there he stayed for two years under trial and under legal threat 
And finally, he appealed to Caesar. And the governor said, well, you've appealed to Caesar. To Caesar, you will go. And so they sent him to Rome. He was uh, entrusted to a Roman soldier named Julius. They got a ship and began sailing towards Rome. And the hurricane that descended on that ship is like something out of a movie. And for day after day after day, that ship was caught in this hurricane. And Luke records everything for us here of that dramatic story. And last night, I extrapolated five principles from that story, and we have them on your sheet today. Number one, when your plans collapse, make sure that you don't. All of the plans that the Apostle Paul had made fell apart. But Paul never did. And secondly, trust the slow work of God. Luke goes to great lengths to talk about how everything was delayed on this voyage and how the winds were against them and how they made slow progress and how everything came with difficulty. That's the way it is in our lives. Things don't always happen as quickly as we want them to, and we move along with difficulty. But God was in it all, so we have to trust his slow work. And third, speak your mind without losing your leverage. The Apostle Paul said to the pilot of the ship, to the captain and to the centurion, you shouldn't leave this harbor because you're going to sail into a storm. You're going to endanger all of us. They didn't listen to him, but he didn't argue or complain or lose his temper or nag. He just bided his time because he knew that if he said too much, he would lose his leverage, and at the right time, they would recognize that he was correct in his assessment, which they did. Number four, let divine grace hold you together. There's a very interesting phrase here, especially in the old King James Version, when it says that the ship was breaking apart in this storm, but they sent ropes or helps is what the King James Version says, and they wrapped the hull with these ropes to hold it together. And this word for helps is used one other time in the Bible in Hebrews chapter 4 when it says that we should approach the throne of God with confidence so that we can find grace to help us in time of need. That word help means to hold us together. God's grace holds us together in the storms of life. And so we need to learn how to be held together by God's grace. And number five, jettison hindering cargo. So they found out that they were going to have to lighten the ship and all of the cargo in this storm that had been so valuable until then, even the ship's tackle and later the grain they threw overboard. And there are things in our lives we need to discard. If there is anything in your life that is hindering your spiritual progress and your walk with the Lord, you got to throw it overboard so that you can make the heavenly harbor. So all of that we dealt with last night. Now I'm going to begin today with verse number 20. And here is the point, number six in the Mediterranean Sea Rules. Expect God 
to do exactly what he has said. Expect God to do exactly what he has said. Verse 20, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. After they had gone a long time without food because for days they had been so paralyzed with fear and so desperately trying to save the ship, they hadn't been able to eat. But Paul stood up before them and said, men, you should have taken my advice not to sell from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. Now, I love that phrase. I told you so, is what he said. You should have listened to me. But now, I urge you to keep up your courage. There's a phrase that someone in this place needs today. God says to you, Maybe you're about to falter, but he says, keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and who I serve. Isn't that a wonderful way of describing yourself? The God to whom we belong and whom we serve sent an angel who stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sell with you. So keep up your courage, men, he says again, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. This is a fascinating thing. Now, here Paul was somewhere on this ship. It was a cargo ship. It was a very large one. It was a freighter that carried grain from Egypt all over the Mediterranean world. And he was soaked and waterlogged and cold. Every one of them were. The storm was continuing. That little boat was mounting up with mountainous waves and plunging into the troughs. But the Lord said, you know, they have given up hope on that ship. None of them believe they're going to be saved. Sometimes it's so easy for us to give up hope. But God, well, the Lord Jesus, there on the throne, watching the whole thing, beckoned an angel. He said, they're pretty desperate down there, and even Paul has given up hope. You'd better go down and give him a message from me. And so that angel slipped of the balustrade of heaven and flew down into that desperate ship and appeared right beside Paul. Said, Paul, I have a message from Jesus. He sent me down here to tell you that you're going to survive this. You're going to make it to Rome. You're going to stand trial and give a testimony before Caesar. And the Lord is going to allow all of the people on this ship to be spared. So keep up your courage. Oh, Paul said, that's just what I needed. And he told the crew and the other passengers, he said, I have faith in God that it will be even as he told me. That is one of the best definitions in the Bible of faith. What is faith? It is believing that it will be exactly as God has said in his word. So anytime you go through a storm, 
you go to the Bible and the Lord gives you a word. There are enough promises in this book to cover any contingency or any difficulty you'll ever have. And so you go in here and you find a promise. Romans 8:28. we know that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord. So whatever you're going through, it will work out for good if you just keep loving Jesus. It says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, that the Lord works out all things according to his good will. He's going to work out things in your life. So you find a promise like that, and you claim it, and the Lord will do exactly as he has said. He will never fail to keep his promises to you. This is what Paul was saying to them. It's very similar to what uh, Paul said later, or earlier actually, about Abraham and Abraham and, and the book of Romans chapter 4. He said Abraham was fully persuaded that God had the ability to do what he had promised. There you have another great definition of faith. What is faith? It is believing that God has the power to do exactly what he has promised, that it will be even as he said to us. And there have been so many times in my own experience over the decades when I have proved that true. I mean, you go to the Bible in any distress, and the Lord always has a word for you, a promise that you need. About a year ago, I had to make a very painful and difficult decision to leave a church that I'd been at for 42 years. I just knew that I needed to get out of the way. And uh, the Lord gave me Isaiah chapter 43, verses 11 and 12. I was just reading through the book of Isaiah. And I came to Isaiah, to these two verses. It says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Do not see it. Even now it springs up, and I will make for you a way in the wilderness and streams in the desert. And now whenever I'm tempted to look back with frustration, I just, my mind instead goes to that verse. And it's been a very healing verse, and the Lord has done exactly what he has said. This is David's experience. I've been going through the book of Psalms, and I want to preach one day through all 150 Psalms, and I'm in Psalm number three. But it says in Psalm number three, David, who was running from his son Absalom, who had staged a coup d'etat against him, who was full of danger and had gone across the Jordan River to try to get away, and he thought he would never see Jerusalem again. He said, the Lord is my shield, so I will lay down and sleep and awaken because the Lord sustains me. And he went to bed and fell asleep. And it's incredible to me that somebody in that kind of danger, I don't have time to describe the whole scenario to you, but he said, the Lord is my shield, I lay down and I rested. Where did he get that kind of faith? He got it from Deuteronomy chapter 33. He was a great student of the book of Deuteronomy. We know that because it keeps showing up in his writings and also because Samuel, we know from the history of Israel and the patterns they had, had made David write out an entire copy of the Torah from Genesis to Deuteronomy and to keep it with him and to read it every day. 
And in Deuteronomy 33, it says, let the beloved of the Lord rest secure in him, for he shields him all day long. And I think that as David ran from Absalom, trying to escape the armies of Israel that had now rebelled against him and driven him into the wilderness, he thought of Deuteronomy 33, let me rest in the Lord because he shields me. And that shows up in Psalm 3. He said, the Lord is a shield around me, so I lay down and slept, and I awakened again because the Lord sustained me. David knew how to go into the Bible such as he had at that time to find a verse and to say, I believe that God is going to do exactly what he has said. So I want to tell you that you will never go through a hurricane, a blizzard, a storm, nothing, but what there will be. Here's some word from God for you, and you find it, and the Lord will do exactly as he has said. So that's number six. Number seven, minister in the moment. Let's go on with verse 27. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. And then he broke it and began to eat. And they were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Paul just said, well, the Lord now has spoken to me, and I can speak to other people, and I can encourage them. And he got the crew together, these rugged sailors, waterlogged and cold and at the end of their ropes. And he said, you haven't been eating anything. You don't have any strength. I believe the Lord is going to spare us, but you better eat something. And he took some bread, and he had the blessing. He looked up to heaven, or he bowed his head, and he thanked the Lord for the food, and he began to distribute it, and the men ate something, and he just ministered in the moment. I want to tell you something, that your whole life, if you belong to Jesus Christ, is a matter of walking through the day and ministering in the moment. That's really what life is. When I began pastoring in the early 1980s here in Nashville with my wife Katrina, I would always have prayer with our leadership team, and we'd be in the back and have prayer, and then when the service began, we'd come up on the stage. But there was a leadership book. I read a lot of leadership books back then trying to figure out how to, how to do it. And one of the leadership books had a phrase that became very famous. It said, manage by walking around. Some of you remember that. And so the executives were taught to walk around their factories or around their companies or around their offices just chatting and seeing what the problems were and seeing what they could deal with and what they could solve at the moment. So I read that and I said to my wife Katrina, I said, we need to pastor by walking around. I can pray with the leaders anytime, but when the people are coming into church, that is the time. A lot of them we don't see all week except when they come in and when they leave. So let's minister by walking around. And after a while, she had multiple sclerosis, and so she was, ended up in a wheelchair, but she ministered by rolling around. 
and I would minister by walking around, she'd minister by rolling around, and we'd talk to people, and it's amazing how many lives we were able to touch and how many prayers we were able to offer with people just by doing that. Well, we all do that on a daily basis. The Lord appoints us to be His ministers. Now, the word minister just simply means someone who will serve Him. And we go through the day with our children, our husband, our wife, and the people that we meet at school or at work or on the ball fields, wherever it is, and we just say, Lord, how can I minister here today? And you never know what a word or a touch will do. You may never know until you get to heaven. I was at an event the other day, and there was a man who gave his testimony at the banquet, and his name was Brandon Blair. He said, when 9-11 happened, and I was sitting there watching those towers come down, he said, I called my mother and said, I'm going to join the Marines and go to war. She said, no, you're not. But yes, he did. And he was sent to Iraq. He worked outside the wire as a gunner. He was in a very dangerous position. But he said that before he left the States on the military flight, he got on the bus that would take him out to the plane, and there was an old fella there with a cane leaning against the side of that bus and handing out New Testaments. And he said, I took one, I thought it might be good luck, and I put it in my breast pocket. Well, later, Brandon was struck in the chest by an enemy sniper, taken to the hospital at Fallujah. He found out that one of his buddies had also died. He was near death from this injury. They were trying to patch him up. He got very low and very desperate, and then he thought, I wonder if that New Testament is still in my clothing, in my camis. And he was able to reach over and grab that Testament, and he began reading it. And he started, it had the Psalms in it. And he began reading in the Psalms, and by the time he got to Psalm 40, the Lord had met him, and he was gloriously saved. Today he's a preacher. But he said, I wish that I knew who that man was who just gave me that New Testament, he will never know how it changed my life. And as we go through the day, we can do all kinds of ministering type things for people. And we never know how it will change our lives, but that is what God has called us to do, to minister in the moment. This episode was produced by Joshua Rowe and the marketing company Clearly Media. Recording, engineering, and audio editing is by Jared Brummett. Editorial supervision is by Sherry Anderson. And Luke Tyler takes each of these episodes, condenses them, adds an opening outline, and posts them as blogs on my website at robertjmorgan.com, where you can find many other resources. Music is by Jordan Davis. Thanks for tuning in, everyone, and may God be with you until we meet again.